0: We're going to be talking about the Joe Clyde Daniels murder trial. So thank you for joining us. This is Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor Jade Ellen Proctor, and there are two others here with me in the studio.
1: I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow.
0: And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And Pastor Amanda, would you begin with us today with a word of prayer?
1: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this awesome responsibility that we may come together and converse about you and the happenings of our world. And so we pray that you would be present and that your presence would inform everything we say and everything we do. And as we have this conversation about justice, may you truly empower your people to do justice and to love mercy. We ask these things in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: And so today the purpose of this program is really going to be applying the biblical worldview to justice. And we're gonna be talking about the murder trial of Joe Ray Daniels regarding his son, Joe Clyde Daniels. So there's a lot of Joseph Daniels in this story. The grandfather is Joseph Daniels, who is often known as Big Joe. Then there's Joe Ray Daniels, who is the father. And then there is Joe Clyde Daniels, who is the alleged victim who is known as Baby Joe. So just for some things that add some clarity here. So if you're not familiar with this, this is a trial that's going on here in Tennessee. And it's actually right next to where we're at, where I pastor is in the Davidson County area, but I'm from the Dixon County area. In fact, I go through Dixon County every day, has been a good portion of my life there in Dixon County. And that's where this uh, case originates. And if you're here on the Mid-South District Church of the Nazarene, it's also where our campgrounds are. It's right next to a lot of us and the official activities we do here in the Church of the Nazarene. And the case behind this is Joe Clyde Daniels, who was a five-year-old boy of Dixon County, and he had... Uh, delayed developmental disability. He went missing on April 4th of 2018. And this child who was fully made in the image of God has not been found on any capacity here on this earth. Well, his father, Joseph Ray Daniels, right now he's on trial for murder. And I'm gonna share with you a couple of details of this case really quick, put together by the Law and Crime Network YouTube channel. I think they've got a great synopsis of everything. So let me read with that real quick. And then we're going to talk about the worldview of justice and how we in the church, we should understand justice because as the judge articulated in this, and I advise you to go check out some of the footage of the trial, um, law and crime network on YouTube has a great synopsis of everything. They're kind of like the C-span of trials. They just kind of roll tape. Well, the judge here had made the point that we are here to find moral certainty, you know if we can't find that then we'll have to acquit but we're here looking for more certainty and that's something that we want to be talking about today as well so just to give some notes on this case Joseph Ray Daniels who is 31 so he's principally our age he's a little bit older than myself and Amanda um, he is standing trial in the alleged murder of his missing son Joe Clyde Daniel who was five at the time when he went missing now the defendant Joe Ray Daniels, he called 911 on April 4th, 2018, to say that his son had escaped, and escaped is in quotes there. We cannot find him, he said in audio, which was obtained by WKRN. All that said, Joe Ray Daniels ended up confessing to beating baby Joe, that is Joe Clyde Daniels' his son, to death, saying the child had peed on the floor, and that's what the authorities have reported here. And as seen on video, Daniels broke down in tears while wearing a shirt labeled Super Dad. He said, I was just so angry with him. And asked how many times he hit Baby Joe, he said, a couple of times while the boy was crying. Now Baby Joe, that is Joe Clyde Daniels, the five-year-old, he was on the autism spectrum and was nonverbal. At first, defendant Daniels said he had put the body in a remote area, but when investigators did not find Joe Clyde Daniels, The father, Daniels, claimed that he put the remains in a pond. Again, they did not find the body, and Joe remains missing to this day. Now, Daniels' defense has argued that the confession was coerced. And here we find the charges which are brought against the father. He is charged with first-degree murder, child abuse, aggravated child abuse causing serious bodily injury, child neglect, filing a false report, and tampering or fabricating evidence. Now, it's also worth noting that the boy's mother, Crystal Daniels, is also charged with aggravated child abuse, child neglect, filing a false report, and tampering or fabricating evidence. She allegedly admitted to being at home when Joseph Daniels beat the child to death, but, like her co-defendant, she recanted the story, saying it was coerced. A 2019 jailhouse call showed Joseph Daniels claiming it was Crystal who killed Joe by smothering him with a pillow. But as far as authorities are concerned, it was he, that being Joseph Ray Daniels, who ended the child's life. Mm. Okay, so those are just kind of the basic facts of the case. And so today, our conversation is going to be centered around applying the biblical worldview. Again, we're not the jury. We're not going to make a final conclusion and render a verdict here on this trial but we are going to talk about the mindset we should have when it comes to things like this Uh, obviously justice is something which has become very popular to talk about in the modern world though a lot of times it has qualifiers and things attached to it and remarkably a lot of people are unfamiliar with how the justice system is actually applied here in america and furthermore when it comes to christianity a lot of people have not put a lot of serious thought into how we know justice takes place biblically. So to begin our conversation, I want to start with pointing out this. Um, two, Two factors. One, we have to ask ourselves the question, is evil conscious and therefore active in creating suffering? In other words, is there willful, wanton, deliberate evil? Not something which just happens accidentally, but a conscious malice with a motive. Now, of course, biblically, whether you look in Genesis there in the garden or all the way to, say, Revelation, we find that, yes, indeed, um, evil is wanton. Now, second to that is the proposition that there is no such thing as evil and suffering is produced by things beyond a person's accountability. So, any thoughts on these just initial worldview propositions about two kind of ends of the spectrum which may have some overlap, may be distinct, we're gonna just parse these out, but I wanna begin with our worldview about how we embrace evil because when a jury comes to this decision, or it comes to their decision, which they're in the product, uh, process of doing right now, we have to realize they're trying to decide, one, was conscious evil responsible for this? And then kind of two, specifically, how much was the parents, Joe Ray Daniels, and then the mother, who again, she's got her kind of separate trial, but nonetheless, a co-defendant in this, this particular case, how much was there conscious and malicious motive involved in this and or negligence which may just happen you know from from negligence there so initial thoughts on all this pastor mike
2: well you know i think there's two things going on here first there is an evil conscience uh, or conscious of evil uh the enemy wants to come and kill steal and destroy and we can see that um the absence of God is also what is part of a, a chaotic order, and, or disorder rather. And we see that in this, in this uh, uh, murder trial, things have been revealed where sin has been a part that is way beyond uh, the disappearance of uh, baby Joe, as they say. And so, some of the things that's been revealed in here is, first of all, that the, the sacred has been ignored. In other words, there were—I don't think you mentioned it earlier, but evidently there had been um, a a desire by Crystal, uh, the child's mother, to to divorce. Uh, There was at least some type of uh, 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 media message coming off some type of device that she'd been in contact with another uh, man. And and then, you know, there was even uh, comments where there had been— Sexual immorality taking place between uh, all three of them at the same time, and again, there, there including is this, the father. Just including the father, yeah. Which is which is a place where you know I think one one sin leads to another. Uh, if you follow the 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 trial, you see that there, at some point in time he was doing a paternal test. Uh, or or searching for paternal tests. He didn't do one. I think he searched for it. Sure. Uh, How he could anonymously do that without anyone knowing. Uh, And then there's the whole case where, you know, that he had sent a message to someone that he wanted to, um, you know, next time you see me I'll be six foot under I think he sent that to his mother but this is the thing that that really is disturbing is sin started a long time ago in the absence of God the absence of of holding what God's law had designed to keep us sacred uh, like marriage is holy matrimony it's sacred it should not be experienced outside of man and woman it's, and to bring someone else into that marriage is a perversion it it's chaotic and it leads to other sins, and so uh, there is a conscious evil taking place to to rob, you know, kill and destroy. We see that happening. Unfortunately, the whole Christian principle I think that says every person has value. Whether they've reached that full development of the image of God, they are created in the image of God, and we hold the value of human life extremely high. And we see that this has fallen away, and we know there's an evil consciousness. Uh, that is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. The problem is once you start letting sin get in, it it snowball effects, and you can see this just you know destroying, regardless of what the outcome is. The, the lives of these folks are are destroyed basically. Yeah. Um, not only have we lost a precious child, but now we have a brother that supposedly has seen things, regardless of what the verdict is, lives have been destroyed. Mm-hmm. And and evil is responsible for that. Let's just be honest. All
0: right. So a couple of things there. And again, we're not here pretending to be the jury. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about the biblical worldview and how that relates to this. And to some of the things that you pointed there, we need to talk about the atmosphere that really creates chaos because chaos is something which often weaves like a thread across time and one of the reasons why Joe Ray Daniels was not sure that this was actually his child is that when the child was conceived willfully and fully consciously between both of Joseph Ray and Crystal they had been conducted in in behaviors which involved a another man um Sexual behaviors again. This is not God's design for for marriage. That people would be uh, it's a polygamous in this way, yeah. or or even not even recognizing it as official marriage, but just having you know multiple people assembled in this way is is against the the laws of God, and it also creates this confusion where it says where there there is a chaos that sleep slips in, and that does set the stage. Yeah. We know that. Historically speaking, when you look at scenarios and things of abuse, a lot of abuse that children experience are from adult figures that are in the home that aren't actually their parents. Um, The further people get away from biological mom and dad, the more chances are for child abuse. We know that to be the case. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody who's adopted or something like that who has a step parent experiences abuse. But what we do know is that a lot of times the reason why there are step parents or other situations involved is because of willful acts of the biological parents who did act outside of God's law and did willfully evil things in full consciousness. And that atmosphere is relevant in the larger picture of how we respond to this in the worldview. Because we have to remember, one of the charges that is brought against both Joseph Ray Daniels and Crystal is that of child neglect and child abuse, which is in fact the criminal offense. And this sort of negligence, which is a separate issue though not unrelated. Um, There's some distinctions, but also serious overlap between that and, say, first-degree murder or even something um, like manslaughter or something of that effect. Um, The child neglect, this is something which is facilitated over time. You can look at patterns of this. And whenever people disregard the natural law and the moral law of God, you do find the door opened up for this. And... It's very tragic because it does inflict suffering on this child, Joe, and we, we do not know where he is. We have no idea where his body is. But again, there are not good answers to where he is.
2: Well, and and I would just like to add to that. You know, you, there's there's a family that's been destroyed. There's a marriage that is that is being destroyed. There's a life that has been destroyed. That is just absolutely heinous. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, the community suffers. Yeah. Uh, the community hurts, and they 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 they, they search for justice. In the midst of everything, this is the good news of Christ Jesus and the work on the cross. We can turn and God can reconcile us, bring us back. That doesn't mean that there won't be um, sometimes a place for, for you know, uh, choices have consequences and there's sure. consequences that must take place. But the good news is that evil comes to destroy these things. And obviously, you can look at just the background leading up to this uh Uh, you know, just absolutely horrific uh, tragedy that's happened. But there is a God who is always calling us out of those situations. And at any moment that, you know, if God had had, uh, if there had been a response to God, this would have not happened because the principles of God says no. And, and so, yes, there there is uh, definitely an evil, a sin, a chaos, and, um, you know, disorder.
0: All right. So I want us to change gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Before we went live, we were in our show prep, and I was talking with Pastor Amanda. And we were listening to a lot of the statements the judge had. He was reading out the charges, and he was making the statement, if you have reasonable doubt against first-degree murder, then you have to consider the lesser charges. and. Some of the forms of homicide homicide in there, whether it be something like reckless um, endangerment or some sort of manslaughter, well, one of the, the thresholds, the necessary elements was that perhaps in the heat of the moment, someone acted violently, killing another, but they were instigated to do that by something the victim did that would create sort of a rational anger. Like, you were rationally and reasonably instigated by the victim to kill them. I mean, that that still is a crime that you killed them in response to that. But, Amanda, you were really struck by that, especially when you see a child. And I just kind of wanted to open up the floor for you to kind of talk about that a little bit, because this is a question that a lot of people have. Hmm. Um, and as pastors, I want to give us an opportunity to kind of answer that, because a lot of times people will look at a situation and say, how could an adult look at a child even if, I know um, he was on the autism spectrum and nonverbal, but any five-year-old, how could you look at any child and decide it's appropriate to kill them? And I just thought I'd...
1: Well, and, and I think, yeah, the, the, the court or and the laws and the judge who's reading out the, these, these structures, these structures are conceived and understood to try to bring order to the chaos, to give parameters to the chaos so that we may handle and hold the situation justly. And... But it, it, it did strike me that I think it was under, so they went from first degree to second degree to I think the next level was voluntary manslaughter. So there was some thought, there was some consciousness, but it was in response to being um, provoked. And I thought, what, what struck me on that, yeah, is like you said, it is we're not talking about two adults who got into a bar fight, um, or even two adults that got into any kind of fight um and we're provoking each other to i think there was a phrase that was given the judge said where a rational person starts acting irrationally um because none of us normally on a normal day right is just gonna like beat someone over the head but if we get provoked to it we might be led to it and um again if you're talking about two adults it's still a horrible thing but there's this consciousness where you can see the other person as an enemy as as somebody who's going to um, either hurt you or take something uh, from you and so you 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 act irrationally because your fear and your anger takes over but how this is this is a child there there should be no point and and I know parents get angry and parents get frustrated and maybe they don't always handle a situation with their child to the best degree but we're not saying like the kid got an extra spanking when he shouldn't have or spent 10 minutes in time out instead of 5 this is straight up murder. Um, and I think there is something where we have to come to ourselves and um, we do have to reconcile a loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God with this extent of evil. And we have to recognize what evil does. and and I think like what Pastor Mike was saying and, and Dylan what you were saying as well is, Evil doesn't always rear its ugliest head at first. It's small things or little things or things that seem good in the moment. And this habit of evil, this this lifestyle that continually put self before everyone else, put immediate needs, immediate wants before other people, especially the people, the children, that these adults were responsible for, has led to this end. And yes, there's bad things in this world and I think we could even call it evil in this world that just happened, that we, we, we can't trace a cause and effect very clearly and they destroy lives. But there's also evil in this world that, even though I don't know if the parents would ever admit this, at some point they had an option where they could choose. And they chose evil. And, and, and I mean, this is like you talk about the, jo- uh, not Joseph, the Joshua text, right? Choose whom this day you will serve. And we slap that on our houses and make it all pretty. But Joshua is really telling them, at this point, you get to decide. You go down this path, it leads to destruction. You go down this path, it will lead to life. And and also to Mike, Pastor Mike's point, you are never outside the bounds of God's grace. Wherever, however far you think you can run from God, God has run further still. So there was always, and there is still always, an option for these parents to find grace. But they kept making the wrong choice and the wrong choice and the wrong choice. And it led them now to a point where a judge has to say, in because the law says so, that there is a qualifier. That somehow, not that their actions are justified, but a part of this case is that they... They harmed a child because they were provoked by a child. Yeah, is that really the best way we can frame such grand evil?
0: I know, and just to kind of build off that, and that it, again, it's a law, so it's one of those things where you kind of have to read it objectively. But there is an element that that almost feels heinous about reading that question.
1: Yeah. regarding a and, five-year-old, and and I'm I'm inferring what the judges the judge's body language was very stoic. I think he he was doing his job. As being an objective communicator of the law, yep. but I think one there's a lot of law, and that judge was getting tired. But you cannot face that kind of evil day in and day out and not be exhausted.
2: Yeah, and that yeah.
1: poor judge, I was like, he needs a timeout, a coffee break, yeah. a smoke break. <laughs> I don't, like I know Nazarenes, we don't drink or smoke, but sometimes like that man needed a break. Yeah, and I I feel I. I I I hurt for him
0: yeah and for everybody here and what's crazy is largely what we've talked about so far has not actually been the day in April 2018 when the child went missing but the years leading up to that sort of the the general structure and you kinda bring up Joshua there and there are so many factors in people's quality of life their development which are affected and you know things which affect a child's health that are clearly inflicted environmentally even Mm -hmm. while they're they're in the womb a lot of very serious things here and while we look at all this there's two things that i want to bring up we're talking about the biblical worldview in our understanding of justice biblically scripture prescribes for us old and new testament clearly two forms of justice that are not separate from one another but we do need to talk about them as distinct but overlapping phenomena The first form of justice that we find biblically is the immediate justice, the justice we have here in this life. And that God gives people the the ability. He says, you know, there is a law and you you can even execute people when they cross a certain line. You are permitted to have some form of order, which is necessary to keep things in society moving towards the good. God gives us a, a law which we can apply and we can sentence people to different things. And you find this in the Old Testament. And it's a just and loving thing to do. And whenever you find a heinous scenario like a child gone missing, which again the most innocent explanation is that this household was structured and organized in such a way that the child could go missing without any trace. trace. Disorganized. Or, yeah. Yes, it was well disorganized to the degree that the child could go missing without a trace. That's the most innocent explanation. the The most heinous explanation is that the the parents whom God entrusted this child's life to willfully and knowingly did evil against the one trust in their care and again the jury is going to render their decision because mm. again we have an immediate form of justice which god permits us to do in here and now in this life and also there's there's a little bit of peace that you can take in that because people wonder um you know what if you make the wrong decision and that brings us to our second form of judgment justice, justice and judgment and that is the transcendent the eternal justice where God calls into account every detail in the soul. And God ultimately settles the affairs. Yeah. And if someone was convicted wrongly, God is a just and loving God. He will sort that out on the day of judgment. If somebody was wicked and committed evil schemes of, you know, the most foul dimensions, well, God is going to settle that score too on the day of judgment. And I want us to go now to Psalm 94. Uh, I know I read Psalm 94 the other day. It's kind of weird. I woke up in the morning or really in the middle of the night convicted to go read Psalm 94. Mm. I love how how these random biblical convictions come about me. Last year, I got convicted about the book of Jude a lot, and I, I loved it. Um, these last few days, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and be like, go read Psalm 94. Well, Psalm 94 uh, is beautiful. It's very serious. It's not one that people hang around <laughs> on their walls much, but In verses six and seven of Psalm 94, it says, they slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Now in this case, Joe Clyde Daniel, he did have a father and in fact, the father is the the suspect that's on trial right now. But he was someone who is considered the least of these. I mean, all children are the least of these to an extent and he's one who has a um, delayed development. Um, And the Psalmist here is crying out to God, he says, in verse 1, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. And then in verse 6, it says, They that slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless, they say the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. But the world thinks they can get away with things, but they can't.
1: Hmm.
0: And what we find in verse 9, it says, "Is He that made the ear shall not he hear. He that formed the eyes shall not he see. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, and this is verse 11. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, and they are vanity. God knows. There will be a transcendent and eternal judgment which is rendered. And we can take peace and solace in that. You know, it's a case like this that we find out that a loving God does, in fact, permit a hell, not because God desires anyone to go to hell. You know, Peter addresses this pretty clearly when he writes his letter to the church. You know, God desires that all come into repentance. But there are people who are wantons, who wantonly choose hell. Hmm. There well, are angels we, in heaven who looked at God and saw and said, you know, I, I think I'd rather have the nether gloom beneath all worlds. I think I'd, I'd like that torment. There are people who choose that.
2: And, and we also have a desire for justice to take place. And even in the, the structures that we have in this country and, and all over the world, we, we sometimes see that even though it's a great system that we have in this country in, in the trials and things, but sometimes they, they miss it. So yeah. this is the thing that, that that creates good news for us, that there is an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God, and this God is going to judge and bring justice. And we can give that um, pain, that injustice to God, and if that person repents and truly uh, seeks to be a new creature and a change of heart and we can trust God to do what is right and so that is the the beauty of exactly what's going on here I love this psalm simply because it, it expresses those hurts that we that we experience in, in life's journey
0: yeah and just kind of putting everything in the proper place that doesn't mean we be idle no, um, and not everybody has the stomach to deal with a crime like this Including those who are the investigators, the agents who, you know, whether they do the... The neighbors? The neighbors. Whether the people mm. who do kind of the in front of the camera work, who make a lot of stuff. that the people who do the behind the scenes work, dealing with the the crime scenes, you know, interviewing, going through data. The jury? The jury. A lot of the people who are um, not always seen out on the front forefront of this, but they're definitely instrumental in it all. Not everybody has the stomach for that. And we kind of have this modern myth... In the modern world that yeah, if you've ever played some of the online RPGs, you kind of have the guy or, or gal who's the perfect archer, also the perfect like sorcerer. And they, they do everything like to the top notch. Realistically in life, um, a lot of us have skills in certain areas that we don't have in others. Some people really like. You know, working with their hands, they can make a beautiful table or something like that. And then other people like to sit there and and read through books and statistics all the time. And we we have different things that we have a stomach for. And there are people who are legitimately called who have the skill set, the stomach, the temperament to handle stuff like this. Um, And we should be grateful for that. It's not always easy. Um, And again, the immediate justice that we have, and I went and referenced that earlier, we're not all powerful, we're not all seeing, we're not all knowing. We're not going to execute that perfectly without flaw every time. And when it comes to the case here of Joe Clyde Daniels, we know that something indeed happened. The child is no longer with us. We cannot verify even his remains. And Hollywood has kind of led us to believe that circumstantial evidence is is, you know, the devil. It's it's not submissible in court, but in truth. It's very hard to recreate the past. A lot of convictions, they come and are found on circumstantial evidence because that's the best we can produce in the fallen world. I mean, think about how hard it is to find lost keys, trying to recreate a crime scene, especially when people are willfully lying and trying to cover it up. That can be very hard to do. So circumstantial evidence is not as null and void as Hollywood often makes it out to be. In fact, when you look at the preponderance of cases that are are closed and concluded with circumstantial evidence. There's it's quite quite large, but we looking at this situation, we kind of have to ask ask ourselves: Was conscious evil responsible for this, and in particular, the conscious evil of Joseph Daniels committing murder, or was it a lesser extent of of negligence and things like that? But Pastor, well, we'll let Pastor Amanda go. Oh,
1: well, and that's what I was as you're talking about, like conscious evil versus unconscious. I was reading and I believe it's some philosophers that were having a conversation, not like immediately with one another, but just a conversation that has happened throughout philosophy. And uh, it was talking about um, basically like, when you assume someone has done something wrong to you, it's better to assume ignorance versus maliciousness, because that's the more common motive. But then another philosopher kind of said, however, that statement is true, but however, at some point there is no difference (laughs) between ignorance and malicious behavior. Um, and basically, I think the the sorrow of the story, like what Pastor Dylan was saying earlier, best case scenario is that this was neg- or not even best case scenario, but the more innocent scenario is that negligence led to this child um, being hurt in this way and worst case uh, or the most malicious option. But either way, throughout that whole spectrum, whether conscious evil or the natural brokenness of the world. A child's life has been lost and parents were incapable of protecting that which they were supposed, they were entrusted with. And for that reason, this is why we have charges of child endangerment and child negligence because even if it was negligent, the parents still made a choice to be negligent. It was still, another philosopher would call this an alive choice and they could not have may not made a choice because by making by not making the choice to protect their child they made the choice to endanger their child
0: yeah
1: and And so this is just to add a
0: point of specificity this isn't even something like a child contracts an illness like a a terrible scenario where a child might have cancer or die of a fever or influenza or something of that nature because again that would not be in court the reason why this is in court is because those elements weren't present. This was the sort of scenario where, indeed, the the household structure was organized in such a way that facilitated what you're talking about. Right, but and this
1: isn't even a case like um, a family takes their kids to the beach and they're watching their child and for a split second they lost sure. the child. This, this isn't even they tried their best and their best wasn't good enough. This is they didn't even try. Um, they made choices and, and I don't know their life story in all its entirety. I'm only speaking from the information that that the limited information we have. But there is a recorded history of a neglect and abuse. And, and I think what hurts in this, um, all these things, there's so much hurt in this, but there's still a 11 to 12 year old brother that has had to endure all this where has he been who's watching him who's taking care of him is it the grandparents that lived with the the family and were supposedly out that day surely even if they were out that particular day in april they lived there they knew what was going on where were the other set of grandparents where the aunts the uncles the neighbors and i get to a certain extent as neighbors or teachers um And our system is so overworked when it comes to child protective services that you can call and call and call and report and report and report and nothing happens. But I just this is evil in its most pure sense because it is destructive. And what what do we do with it?
0: And to just add a some evidence to that, because someone might say, well, how do you know it was that? Well, there was blood evidence submitted like. Blood evidence on on mm-hmm. clothing and stuff that would support that in fact the father did beat the child. I mean, like that that's right. something which again doesn't have a good explanation. Why is the the blood evidence even being you know an issue?
2: Well, you know, even the testimony, the confession, the stories uh, they change and and things of like that. So there is some uh, uh, deception or or. You know, something going on that says there, there's lying going on. And so, we, you know, I think it's, uh, the human beings have this longing for perfect truth, perfect love, perfect justice, perfect beauty. And as we look here, we can see that all of these things are not perfect. You can see that, they, that the world's not going to offer that, and, and you can't find it anywhere. The, the good news is that we have this God who is perfect in love, perfect in justice, perfect in, in, in beauty, and, and uh, perfect in, in uh, truth. And so, when we turn to him and realize just as though we are called to emulate that and to be in that, um, you know, follow Christ Jesus, when this world fails, and it will fail, we have a God who, that, that satisfies that longing. Now, we're going to see it in this world, maybe not. It may happen uh, eternally, but there is this good news in knowing we have that, that longing to, to be filled um, in Christ Jesus.
0: Well, just kind of tying all this together, mm-hmm. I want us to go to the fifth commandment because you might wonder, how do you prevent things like this mm-hmm. from happening? Well, God has actually given us ordinances on this. One thing I, I think is so fascinating about the fifth commandment is the way that it is structured to obviously work across time. It's not meant to just be something enacted in a moment. The fifth commandment is to honor thy mother and father. And Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And what you find in there is this scripture is clearly telling us that if you take care of your parents, well, actually it begins before that. If parents take care of their children when they're children, and then the children take care of their parents when their parents are older, and then the next generation does that, You have this cycle where when the children are young, the parents take care of them. When the parents are older, the children take care of their parents. And this cycle, it flips and rotates throughout history where people are taking care of those older and younger than them. When you do that righteously, as God designed us to do, you do create an atmosphere that facilitates good living. You know, if you don't want to get eaten by a shark, don't go on a, a diving trip. Next to a you know school of sharks and throw out a bunch of raw bloody meat and then you know slather yourself in it you know that that's a good way to to get eat. Thank you for that analogy <laughs> if if you don't want to have corruption in the world then then don't structure things for that. Honoring and respecting you know the covenant that a a husband and wife have together honoring and respecting that and then also the parents honoring and respecting, um, the responsibility they have of their child and then later the children taking care of their parents this cycle of things, this order it does move the world towards a good and it helps protect those who are least um, ability to take care of themselves whether it be children who are you know five years old or it be someone who's say 85 or 95 who's not able to do much for themselves anymore or or whatever age they might be. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that we we do take care of those who, who need that that help. You know, that helps people live a full life, a meaningful life. It helps people have that goodness which God has in store for us. And when we come to something like this, when we we have to ask the people have that moral fortitude, the moral foundation where we can navigate these waters because we have a creed in America. And I I call it a creed. You, You find this idea, and people say it all the time, you know, innocent until proven guilty. We have to understand, proving something guilty is not Hollywood proving things guilty in less than an hour. You're not going to be able to account for every possible variable or nullify every possible, you know, alternative theory. You're going to have to eventually get to a place where you make a judgment call. And as they'll say in court, where you can have the moral certainty, where you can go you can go home at night and feel at peace that you did that. Mm-hmm. Now, again, there is a God who, if we make mistakes, he will render things correct in the end. That didn't mean that we should take that lightly and try to make mistakes. No, we we should do the best we can. But looking for that moral certainty looks different in reality than it does in Hollywood. And we have to be prepared. We have to have the moral foundation to get there. Pastor Mike?
2: Well, I think as we look at this fifth commandment, just like you were saying, that, you know, the value of family is so tremendous that we see it throughout the scriptures and that, that we live in evil times. Let's just be honest. And it we have to contend not only for our faith, but for the family, that structure that God has given us to love one another. And, you know, there is this whole understanding of... Family being sacred, being the institution which God has brought structure and order for us to live a life um, to help take care of one another. And
0: to kind of build off that, two of the ways that we see this commandment broken in our modern world, on the tail end, you see a lot of older people who have earned the reward of family are kind of cast aside from their family. I think that's heinous. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also you find a lot of people, and in this situation, there were some emails and things come up where the mother had been like, oh, you know, I get $1,200 a month. He's disabled. You know, we, we can do stuff with that money. Like just seeing the child as a transaction to bring money in. You know, when we, we look at how – we look at some of the great examples of mothers in, in history. Um, we look some – like biblically, at like Mary, mother of Jesus. I don't think that we ever find a, a great time where Mary's like, Hey, you know, I've got all this holiness and righteousness coming in a month because Jesus is my son. Like, you know, we, we get all these special rewards because, you know, I've got this child here. You know, that that's it's kind of heinous to see the child just as a, a means to a monetary end. Um and that again, it it breaks these laws of God to to really view the generations around you, older or younger. I'll I'll just let a mannequin eat.
1: No, and I think that's the thing where we, we really do hear this commandment, especially in a society where if you didn't work, you didn't eat. And that was not just a political statement. That was just a matter of fact. If you did not sow, you could not reap, which meant you could not, you know, if you didn't reap, you couldn't bake bread. You died. And yet God says, what if, what if we took care of children who cannot work? Yeah. What if we took care of our elderly who yeah. can no longer work? Yeah. And what if the value of a human being is not based on what we can get out of it, but because they are created in the image of you God? What, I mean? what a radical idea. I mean, yeah. And yeah. this is our world is broken nine ways to Sunday and and God just says, "What if? What if you loved people? What if you took care of people?" And when I say love, I don't mean cheap Valentine's Day uh, you know, candy and card love. I mean, sacrificial hard work love. And what what would it have changed this story, this narrative, yeah. if one freaking person loved? Yeah. And 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 now we are trying to enact justice on the end. Yeah. The back end, and, and that is good and right. But what happened if we enacted justice on the front end? I mean,
0: and see, this this is you brought up sort of the image of God, the imago Dei.
1: Mm.
0: That is the foundational quality given to Adam and Eve when they are created. When you get God creating this unique species, they will be made in the image of God, mm. and that is the undergirding value that begins all other things that will take place and transpire in their life all other covenants which will ultimately come and many enterprises which they will undertake this idea that they are made in the image of God the value that is found there and the love that is found there too because there's a whole element that says each of these they have a sovereign will they can think Mm. but they can conform that will to me and they can become even better than they ever could be on their own in this story the one indisputable fact is that a child, a five-year-old, fully made in the image of God, full of life ahead of him, and even if he has a developmental delay, that doesn't change the fact that he's made in the image of God. That doesn't that doesn't mean two cents about the value of his eternal soul. Yeah, the, he <laughs> is fully valued, fully made in the image of God, and now lost hmm. because of this entanglement, this snare, this... You know, diabolical subterfuge, which has woven itself in to, to Dixon County, that is where you do find the need for a loving God that says, I do permit a hell for those those who, who have wantonly chose to do evil.
2: Yeah, I think every human, you know, we have to come to the premise and that principle that I talked about that every human being uh, has life and has value to the point that they're created. Um, that God loves the, the human, uh, the person, and that they are more than just uh, some type of object or, or, or monetary value, but God cares about them. And that especially, uh, we see that theme run throughout the Bible, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, but especially the unborn child. That, and, and then we move on to, to our elderly to honor our mother and father, that we are called to care for those who are often pushed to to the side, who are vulnerable. And and we find that God um, redeems, He cares. We are called not only to reflect the love of God, but to care for others in this world, Uh, that He's got to have action. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not fallen creation and that evil comes in. And that is exactly where I think Dylan led on that, that, you know, we see... Um, a, a perfect justice and a perfect love of God, and there is a hell for those who refuse to to receive the grace of God um, and, uh, you know, be what, what God called us to be. And it doesn't, you know, this doesn't matter about how fully developed we are, how smart we are. This is the fact that we are a human being, and that is... Um, uh, a, a very sacred thing, I say, about being the created in the image of God, and it has tremendous value yeah. because God is creator. Sure.
0: Well, we've talked about a lot, and I think we'll go ahead and, and wrap up our program there. But I do want to remind us, Jesus comes and tells us, you know, if God in heaven clothes and feeds the sparrows, and I'm not mm-hmm. just talking about Amanda, <laughs> how much more he cares for those who are his children people mm-hmm. um god has seen this situation he has heard it he knows the extremity of it all the details all the questions which we can't answer god knows mm-hmm. there will be a final justice in the end but we do hope and pray that there will be an immediate justice here and now pastor mike as we close would you pray over this situation and then we'll wrap up
2: absolutely Almighty God, as we come to you and talk about and discuss this most uh, difficult situation with this small child, we do find hope in knowing that your love for us, even your grace covers those children who cannot make a decision for themselves, and Lord, that there is a resurrection, and so, dear God, I pray, uh, regardless of what has happened for this uh, dear child, Uh, little Joseph, that you receive him into your arms. And, Lord, uh, wipe away all the hurts and tears, and may he feel um, that perfect love, perfect justice, perfect beauty, and, Lord, the perfect truth that you are a God who cares. And so, dear God, as we have uh, discussed some very hard issues today, we pray for your grace to come upon us and that we respond to your grace. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Alrighty, We all good to wrap up? Good to wrap up. Alrighty. Well, thank you all for
0: joining us. Again, this is Kingdom of the Lagos. And if you would like to learn more about the trial, again, one of the best places I can recommend you to go if you like to watch YouTube is to the, let me get the exact name of it here, the Law and Crime Network is the name of the YouTube channel. They have a lot of stuff out there where it's just the raw footage and you can really make your own conclusions there. So check that out. And on that note, God love you.